Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XB face cream. When you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout, that's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. today. My returning guest is Ben Cohen of Banter. Woohoo! Love talking to Ben. Now, before we get into the conversation, I do try to keep these intros short. I have a tier on Patreon, though, that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, and I'm so grateful. If you do enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page, check out some of my past guests. Most of the time, I talk to political people. Sometimes I talk to actors, because I used to be one. But just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two two free shows a week on Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by the What's Up show, which is just me alone talking about whatever I feel like, kind of like an online diary. I also do one patrons-only show with a guest once a month. Just check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that makes it easy to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, Apple Podcasts, store become a subscriber it's free and while you're there if you like the show please rate it and leave a review i would really appreciate it now please enjoy my conversation with ben cohen welcome back to the show ben thanks so much for having me kimberly um well today i'm you know i'm not in a great mood because i follow the news and uh i'm having a difficult time last wednesday was a very hard day for me i mean all last week was tough Mansion's freaking me out. We're going to talk about that. Mansion's freaking me out. All these things are freaking me out. And so I talked to Jared Yates Sexton, and I was pretty much on the verge of tears the entire phone call, so, or the entire show, I should say. But we do we do it on the phone. But um, it was very difficult for me. So I kind of got better. You know, I, I, I got myself out of that upset funk thing. I did talk to author and lawyer Terry Canefield on Monday and she definitely has a way, which is I'm leading up to something to ask you, but she's got this way about her. But she's a lawyer, and she th- obviously she th- sees things through those eyes, through the lens of a lawyer, which is not necessarily a Democratic leader or somebody who's just a pundit or anything like that. And I think, you know, I, I think overall she made some really good points. One of the points she made was, Biden is doing well in the polls, and if he continues, this really bodes well for Democrats. And I agree that that could bode well for Democrats, but the things that are freaking me out is watching how 
the Republican Party is going full fascism. They're still attempting their coup. It's just a fairly slow-moving coup, not that slow, but we can see it in real time. And then I look at the Democrats, and I'm feeling that they're not... It's not a Democrat bash thing. It's just I don't feel that they're strong enough right now. I don't, I don't feel they're fighting to win. I think they're like acting like they're, they're dealing with a bush or something like that. And that, you know, assuming there's going to be smooth transitions of power, uh, in the future. So all that said, um, I just kind of want to gauge, cause I do this with everybody, but I want to gauge what you're, you know, how you're feeling about this whole big picture thing about how, what's happening with the democratic party, how they're handling things. Maybe you feel confident. I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? So that's a very complex yes, it is. question. It's a very <laughs> complex question. And I think like you, you know, you go through sort of ups and downs according to mm-hmm. the news cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so one of the things I'll say is that it's it's very difficult to really know what's going on behind the yes, scenes. Like you right. hear you snippets in the media, you hear, you know, um, spokesmen for Joe Manchin or various senators or various, you know, people in congress or the president what they're saying about stuff but we have really no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. behind the scenes what kind of pressure is being put on joe manchin what kind of you know is there a carrot and a stick you know Mm -hmm. like so you know if you look at left-wing twitter the the sort of more um bernie left twitter they are incensed and outraged that the democrats are not fighting hard enough um, the, the 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 more moderate Democrats are urging everybody to keep calm mm-hmm. um, and to not, you know, go full throttle at Joe Manchin, um, and to wait for talks behind the scenes to play themselves out. I find myself in this funny position where I just I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. what the best way to deal with this is. Right? I mean, Joe Manchin is really is Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Those are the problems, mm-hmm. right? That we have right. we have a big problem. We can't get things passed unless the filibuster goes or the filibuster mm-hmm. gets reformed. Um, you know, there's only so much that can be done through reconciliation, and mm-hmm. there's no real guarantee that they're going to get on board. Joe Manchin's not necessarily going to get on board. Uh, you know, things passing things through reconciliation either. So. Mm-hmm. Manchin has a huge amount of power mm-hmm. and influence at the moment, and I don't quite get what his game is. <laughs> you know, it seems bizarre. He's holding out. I don't, you know, he he obviously understands politics in West Virginia better than anybody else does. This is all clearly related to his own um, political survival, I think. I'm not sure how much of this is to do with bi- a genuine desire for bipartisanship. Because the evidence it clearly shows that there is no such thing, not really. Mm-hmm. You know, there are about five Republican senators who are willing to negotiate on anything in good faith. The rest of them are, yeah. you know, they're Trump loyalists and maximalists. You know, they're power mm-hmm. maximalists. They all they're interested in doing is is destroying Joe Biden and ensuring yeah. that Republicans control every branch of government. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I find myself in this funny position where I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think probably that their infrastructure is going to go through reconciliation. They're going to have to make some. I think that will get done. Some form of it will get done. They'll just have to negotiate with Manchin as to what he what he wants. Unfortunately, he mm-hmm. has power. Yeah. Um, 
I think HR one, I think the voting rights stuff, we can kiss that goodbye until yeah. 20, 2022, right? right. The, the the only real, I think the chance of getting that through um, has to be through expanding the Democrats' majority in the mm-hmm. Senate, which means they've got to hold the House too. They have yes. to hold the House, they have to expand the House. And this is a big ask. This is a big, <laughs> yes, big, big it is. ask. <laughs> yes, it so, is. If we don't have HR one and... You know, we're fighting against history because history shows us for the most part, with the exception of like 2018 and maybe a few others, um, when you have what we have right now, which is basically a majority. I mean, it's a very slim one, but we have a majority. So history tells us that in the midterms, the opposing party is going to, you know, win. And um, now I think that it didn't happen in 2018. Well, actually, no, it, it did happen in 2018 the, the, because they held all the branches and then the Democrats uh, won the House. So took back the House. They didn't yeah. take back the Senate. They, they right. didn't take back the Senate. Right. You, you know, so I think that there's a, there is a decent chance that they're going to they're going to Democrats can expand their majority in the Senate. So that is yeah. a good that is a good thing. The House, I think, looks a bit trickier. Yeah. But. You know, this is going to come down to serious, serious grassroots movements, um, you know, trying to uh, mm-hmm. lay the foundation mm-hmm. for a messaging war heading into 2022, right? So, you know, the Demo- from what I understand, that is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, Democratic, there are groups, powerful groups who are organizing right now. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, you can with every bad situation with every every disaster there is an opportunity yeah so i think that you know it it might seem really bad right now but there are some things i think the democrats can use to their advantage like for example um if you have uh uh, if they can't get hr1 passed the best way to do this i think is through messaging right is to pin the blame squarely on republicans for this yeah right to to avoid going after joe manchin uh, and blaming everything on Joe Manchin, you have to go, which may or may not be, I understand the progressive rage at Joe Manchin, mm-hmm. I get that, but it's more important, I think, to pin the blame on Republicans, who are actually, yeah. it's not that they're not trying to pass HR, uh, to block HR1, they're actually trying to suppress votes. Yeah. Right? So so hang this around their necks, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be a huge, and, and, and what, you know, what we saw in, in 2020 was mass voter turnout. Yeah. Right, that the GOP voter suppression tactics worked against them because they kept you tried to suppress the vote, and it can it that can activate the base, right? And you yeah. want as many people engaged in the midterms as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And one way to do that is to is to basically create a very very um, powerful campaign against the Republicans and, and highlight their attempts to suppress the vote. Yeah, and I, know, cer- so- yeah, I certainly hope that that works because I would assume that that's what's going on. In fact, um, actor Kirk Acevedo tweeted out about how you know the Republic. I'm sorry, the Democratic Party is not reaching out to Latino voters, and he did this whole thing about you know how many there are and how important they are to the to the party. And so I retweeted that, and then I all because he's been talking about this for some time. In fact, he was he was complaining about the Democratic National Convention because the Latino people that were, you know, I, I want to call it on that program. It seemed like a program, but at the convention um, were people that were very privileged, you know, actors. I can't remember the woman's name, and it'll come to me in a minute. But um, 
you know, and, and the woman is, is a Democrat and she's a, a huge advocate and everything, but she's not in touch with the average everyday Latino. And so um, his whole point, like he was making a point, I don't know, a couple of months ago saying, you know, you need to have, and he was, oh God, he was talking about some, <clears throat> excuse me, some fighter or something like that, that is really popular. Um, and he's like, you need to have real Latino people going out into these, um, wherever there's a, a large Latino population. I mean, he's in California, so of course there's a lot of Latinos in California. But, you know, you need to go out and talk to them in, in languages they can understand. You know what I mean? In messaging they can understand. Not from, like, an elite millionaire actress that they don't understand. And so anyway, I had tagged Jamie Harrison head of the DNC and so then I saw you know Kirk liked that and then he tagged Jamie Harrison and Jamie Harrison replied and he said we're on it although he did not specify that they were going after Latino voters he was just saying oh we're knocking on doors and we're doing this and we're doing that and so I truly hope one thing that I I, I think is a positive is that in with social media we do have the opportunity to get the attention of people like Jamie Harrison and and get our you know messages directly into their ears and i hope that they take that to heart and i hope that they do it because i i i agree with you that if we have numbers too big to ignore we can overcome this but it's like you said it's a big ask it's a big ask but you know look i think that there are um, ways of doing this. I mean, there was an interesting post-mortem of the 2020 election. Um, I wrote a piece about this on the banter. Uh, you know, and it kind of looked at where the Democrats didn't do very well mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in, in 2020. Um, and there were three major progressive groups, three major democratic groups that took part in this. I forget the names of those particular um, groups, but um, one of them was a Latino-based one. And it's pretty interesting, you know, and it, and it just basically... You know the Democrats' messaging um, to a lot. There are lots of demographics that the Democrats' messaging is not great, mm -hmm. um, and the GOP is very, very, very skilled at yes. manipulating it and mm -hmm. and you know basically feeding this into the culture wars. Uh, you know and trying to convince everyday Americans that Democrats are baby killing. Right. you know so socialist monsters um and you know and that has that has a sort of a knock-on effect right and it has a knock-on effect to a lot of these communities who don't necessarily pay huge amounts of attention to what's to what's going on um but you know they watch the news and and um you know they they're reasonably well informed but the opinions that you, they're going to fight that you see in a lot of these communities are that the democrats are are kind of extremists mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't do well. That that's not going to do well in in 2022. Right? That 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 spells disaster for them. So they have to really sort their messaging out, and they really have to, you know. So for example, like you know, I'm I'm my, my wife is um, Latina, and you know, so I spend a lot of time around the Latino community, mm -hmm. um, and you know, their concerns are not what you would necessarily hear from you know, as you say like famous actresses Eva Longoria actresses. it's Eva Longoria I couldn't remember her name I remember her name now <laughs> but yeah yeah I mean she she, she right she, she that big and kind of you know um, east coast west coast big city right. yes um, with big city liberals and, and 
potentially young people, but your average kind of Latino is not particularly interested in what Eva Longoria has to say about anything. They're right. interested in keeping their business afloat. Yes. They're yes. interested in, you know, um, making sure that they've got some, you know, they can send their kids to school, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, you know, so they're not necessarily in line with, you know, the, the pe- people on Twitter and things like that. So yeah. I think the Democrats have got a big job to do right there. And yeah. I think Joe Biden, like that, that's where I think Joe Biden's kind of brand of, of um, you know what does it mean to be a Democrat is quite effective, and that's mm-hmm. what helped him win in 2020, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it, he was this sort of blue collar Democrat. Um, you know, he took the party back to its roots. You know, the party of African Americans. Mm-hmm. This is you know James Carville's um, prescription, and it turned out to be right. You mm-hmm. know, it's whether you, whether you like it or agree with it. Right, or not. right, right. I mean, again, like I don't, I don't have any. I'm, I'm like the, the flimsiest. Like I, whoever will win against a Republican, I'm for that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really care like what the tactic is, or yeah. you know, if, if we have to, where are the numbers? Where are the votes? Right. How do we get those votes? That, yeah. That's that's what I'm concerned about. So I think you've got to be extremely ruthless about this, just as the Republican Party yes. is extremely ruthless about that. Um, so this is where I see. I'm hoping that the Democrats really get their act together. Uh, for 2022, I look. I think Biden is doing a very good job. He's doing a really good job. He's got a lot of problems. Like you're dealing with, um, you know, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema mm-hmm. in the in the Senate. That's no easy task. This was always going 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 to happen. This is what happened with Obama. Obama mm-hmm. had a, almost like a bulletproof Senate majority back in you know uh, in 2008, um, and he could still. I mean, what it took to get the Affordable Care Act passed mm-hmm. was just yeah. was. When you read about it, it's crazy what they had to do yeah. to get it over, to get it over the line. You know, and that was no fault of Obama's. That wasn't right. his fault. And right. everyone, lots, everyone likes to complain about Obama. He's yes. too weak. He's too soft. He's not strong enough. He's not, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's not how politics works. In, right. in, 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 you know, there are lots of different power bases that you have to appeal to. You know, it's just a reality. Joe Manchin. It's better that Democrats get this run the heads that this is a reality this is like you have to deal with this as a reality he's mm-hmm. not going to suddenly get on board end the filibuster um and uh you know pass hr1 and the infrastructure bill that everybody wants we're not going to get exactly what we want but yeah we can get something done well you know what i this kind of like off subject from that but i know you used to live in los angeles right yeah i did yeah so um I mean, I know Los Angeles is blue or California is blue. So it's not that I'm saying that, uh, you know, is California going to change us, but or change the, you know, the map or anything like that. And hopefully it wouldn't. (laughs) But the other day, just for fun, I went on Google and I went up to the I used to live in Silver Lake, California, and I wanted to kind of see you know go to where I used to live and then I I just did that thing where you can in you know real time go through the streets and I wanted to kind of walk to school see my old route to walking to school and just as I was getting to it was my school's on Fountain Avenue was it was on the corner well it's not the corner but it was like the cross of Sunset and Fountain you would make a I right. Live, I used to live. I used to live just off there. Oh, really? In, uh, yeah, yeah. And I went to high school in in Los Feliz, actually. Oh, well, really? Which high school ago. did you go to? I went to the Lycée International. Oh, uh, wow! Lycée International in Los Angeles. It's a it's a small French school. Interesting. Up in the hills. 
uh, yeah, I can't remember the, the high school that I would have gone to if we stayed there because I lived in Silver Lake, but um, there was a high school, it was around Hyperion, and I just can't remember. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know exactly the high school that you're talking about. It was yeah. near to where I went to high school. Right, okay, so anyway, <laughs> I would walk basically down Sunset Boulevard, um, and then I would make a right on Fountain. And so as I was doing that in Google Maps, I saw all these tents on the sidewalk. And I remembered that even pre-COVID, people, my friend was telling me that there's this huge homeless situation in Los Angeles. And she said, it's really bad now because of course I miss Los Angeles and I'll always talk to her about missing Los She's like, she's like, you, do, you don't really miss it because A, B, C, and D. And one of those was that the homeless population is just growing and growing because obviously rents are going up and everything. But I'm, I'm wondering if... And, and, and I know that this is, is its local thing. It's, it's in California. It's not across the United States. But I'm just wondering if something like that would have an effect in the bigger picture because it was very jarring for me to see that. And now, granted, that's an urban area, right? There's, there's uh, Las Feliz and Silver Lake. It's, it's city you know it's there are homes and people you know there's lots of families living around there but it's kind of a city atmosphere and so even you know I was back in the 80s I was walking to school of course occasionally I would see homeless people and things like that um but I never saw tents on the sidewalk and I'm hearing you know I know also in Santa Monica there's a huge homeless problem huge to the point where I've heard people complain about the odor because of the homeless people. And I'm not saying this to mock or be uh, nasty or mean in any way. Um, it's, it's a terrible problem that needs to be taken care of, and it seems that it's only growing. And I just, you know, I wonder if it's happening in California, and granted California rents and mortgages and all that, or in ho housing prices and all that, are just getting higher and higher and higher. In fact, I saw a post, this woman was saying she lives in... in Northern California, that people who have very large backyards are buying these homes that are like 650 square feet. They're like $300,000. And you literally take a crane and pop it in the backyard for your like parents or if you want to rent it out or something like that because prices are going up so much. So like I, I think the question I'm asking is like, do you think that even though that's California and California is California, it's still part of the United States. We're still seeing all kinds of, you know, inflation and, and high rents and things like that. Do you think that's going to play a part in the way people vote? Do you think they put those things together that what, you know, who you vote? I mean, it seems to me people don't put it together a lot of the time. I don't, they right, think well, politics you know, are separate. Yeah, they, they'll blame, you know, whoever's in power, they'll blame. Right, so mm -hmm. you know, if if the if the Republicans spend their entire time, it, this is what invariably happens, right? Republicans wreck everything. A Democrat comes in <laughs> yeah. to clean up. Yeah. Um, don't have enough, quite enough time to clean things up. Republicans then blame Democrats for the mess that they created, get elected again, make things worse, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so I think that they again, and this it does a lot of this comes down to messaging. And so they're going yeah. to have to get. They really, really, really have to work on their messaging. Yeah. But this is this is where I think you know. You know, I like to listen to um, the 
Pod Save America podcast mm-hmm. quite a lot, but it's pretty interesting um, from from the perspective of people who actually worked in the Obama administration. And one thing I've noticed that when I listen to the listen to the, those guys is that they what they constantly talk about is messaging. Mm-hmm. They constantly talk about how are the Democrats communicating this yes. to the public, and I I understand to, to to them that's what politics is. It's a messaging war. Mm-hmm. And the and the Democrats really, 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 really need to step this up. Yes, they do. Right, that you, you know they allow um, Republicans to control the narrative, mm-hmm. and once Republicans control the narrative, you know it's theirs to win. Basically, they mm-hmm. blame the blame. You know, apparently, you know now Biden's apparently blowing up the deficit, and Biden's weak on Putin, and it's like, wait a second, this is insane. How can you? This is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely insane that you could blame Biden for the deficit. Uh, um, and I know, <laughs> and, and, and say that he's too weak on Putin. Yeah. like we nobody paying attention for the past <laughs> four years. Know, but hello. that's the case. Yeah, that that that's the case. You know, and I, I and this is why I think um, it's important to have very very savvy a very savvy messaging campaign and to not allow. The one thing that that I worry about the most um, is that when the 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 more progressive left mm-hmm. get control get control of the narrative, mm-hmm. this is when I start to worry. Because yeah. it's not that I don't necessarily agree with them. It's because I worry about how that plays with the demographics yeah. that Democrats desperately need to get. Yeah, and that's a reasonable approach because I feel the same way. I mean, it's interesting because last I don't know, let's say twenty nineteen. Before we even had uh, the Democratic primaries, Elizabeth Warren was my first choice. And my Mm. my whole stance on this was like, people in this country will say a woman can't win. And it's like, well, a woman can win if you vote for her. And I I, I maintain that logic. But I will say, you know, that during the primary, when it became clear that, that Biden was the nominee, I mean, it didn't take very long. Uh, it didn't take long for very. It didn't take long for me to understand he was the best person. He was the man of that moment. It doesn't even right. necessarily mean he's going to be the best president or the most effective leader or anything like that. But he was the person to get us out of that situation. And I think it turns out, for the most part, and so far, Biden's been doing a really good job. Um, mm. You know, I know. There's always going to be criticism of any president. Some of it's warranted. Some of it's just nitpicking. But I think in the bigger picture right now, stand, where we're standing, I think he's doing a good job. I like – I like you know, he's got a huge high approval rating. So um, – and if he can maintain that, that's going to bode well for the midterms. Uh, at least, you know, it's going to hopefully bode well for the Democrats in midterms. But it's just um, – and I'm, I am in agreement with the fact that we have to message uh, – you know, I was talking to Rachel Bittekoffer and – she started a pack, and she wants to use fear to basically motivate Democratic voters. And unfortunately, that's really what it takes. I mean, you know, people say they don't like negative ads, but they respond to negative ads. People, yeah. um, you know, it's like people complain um, about – the funny thing is, is it's like you complain about certain kinds of messaging. But if you just look on Facebook, if you, if you tweet something, if you fear monger, you're going to get – all the fucking likes and tweets and, and, and retweets and all that. If you tell the truth about certain things, specifically climate or like the Equal Rights Amendment, eh, 
It's just, it's like, you know, you get a, a little bit of attention. So people absolutely respond to yeah, they do. fear absolutely. messages. Or, and they also respond to the negative ads. And it sucks, but that's what they respond to. They can cr- you know, scream about it all day long. You know, we don't like them. Well, they work on you. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, right. they're working. And so I do agree with Rachel Bittekoffer in that, I mean, I don't think Democrats should fear monger, but I think that they should use the fact that we are on the fucking brink right now to motivate people to get to the polls. Because it's like, if you don't vote now, we could lose everything. And when Terry Canfield was on, I, I do want to say like, you know, and she's not here, so she can't counter me, but she was saying, you know, pe- people are saying that's it. It's all over. Now, I don't think we should say that right now. Because it's not all over. We still have time. But uh, as far as she says, if we lose, how did she say something along the lines of like, well, if we lose, then we lose everything forever. And she says that's not true because, you know, in, in Chile, they had an autocrat and they eventually overcame. But the but the issue here is if we lose, if the fascists win, God only knows how long it would take to get back to any kind of a democracy. And it would be a new democracy. It would pretty much have to be built from scratch and then um it 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 would also does not take into account climate change and you know there are some scientists out there that say we have 10 years there are some that say we've already passed the tipping point i don't know what the real answer is but i don't want to mess around with it and i if if there is some time left that we can fix some things then i think that we should do that and i and i don't know what else other than fear or anger because did you see Steve Scalise was saying that um did you see that video that's been going around from Steve Scalise No I didn't what, what Oh my god was, what was so the video? he said after after okay this is just a quote he's there's a lot more to it but he says after the baby has come out of the womb alive in some states they're killing that baby and calling it abortion So there was a tape of him saying that and oh, oh my god and so it's like that shit works on their side i mean one thing i wanted to ask you because you did bring up the fact that they're fear-mongering it's not necessarily going to work so in that case i mean i you know i i i uh he's in louisiana but he says some states right so he's just basically throwing it out there that some states that he shall not name are doing this um do you think that that's going to work against them or do you think it's going to work for them what with the uh, talking about the Republicans, abortion. just Republicans in general, that kind of messaging. Yeah, I mean, you know, sadly, I think it does work. Yeah. Um, it works for Republicans when they when they use that. But equally, you know, the thing is, it works for Democrats too. You know, when, yeah. when if, abor- if if abortion rights are under threat, that you know, there's, that's how you motivate, particularly women, to get to the polls. Yeah. Right to get to to go and to go and vote. Right. right? Yeah. So it, I think it has a counter. <laughs> there's always a you know there's always a response to that yeah so i think you know the more republicans use these tactics the more it does feed into the worse it gets Mm -hmm. the more the democrats can use it to you know motivate their own base and and you're absolutely right they absolutely do need to use fear to get the base out because you we should be frightened about what's happening you should absolutely be frightened about what the republicans are trying to do um, to the country. I mean, it's like you're you're, you're right. I mean, it's a slow moving fascist coup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even that. It wasn't. It's not even very slow moving. No. They don't even. 
they're, they're not even pretending right. to care about democracy at all. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you know, right. But this is why I think that the Democrats, they do need to focus a lot more on what the key issues are. And the issues right now, it's going to be the economy. Um, it's going to be the economy and it's going to be the economy. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and, the, and these are, unfortunately, these are, these are the things that people care about, right? These mm-hmm. are the things, these are the issues that, that people really want to, you know, um, they're not interested in debates about, about gender pronouns. They're not interested right. in debates about, it's not that these aren't important things, right? right. No matter where you stand on these, on these issues, right? They are, of course, you know, these are things that I, you know, I have opinions about, I want, you know, I want to hear healthy debate about these mm-hmm. kind of things, but, I want to, you know, really what most people are interested in is how is their how are their business going to survive? How are yeah. they going to pay for grocery bills? Mm-hmm. How are they going to pay their rent? How are they going to put, you know, the cost of everything keeps going up. Like, what's the what does the future look like? What does the future look like for me and my family? And, yeah. and it's, the more Democrats get sidetracked with other debates and purity tests and things like that, I think the worse it it it, it gets for them. The Republicans are very good at basically creating they have like a laser like focus on on divisive issues um that basically that allows them to kind of motivate their base yeah and the democrats need to do you just need to do the same thing you need to do exactly the same thing yeah right they're very yeah very very key issues that you they focus on that and and that's what's going to win your elections yeah basically just hone in on the fear of not having the job to pay the bills or whatever it is. So it's not fear of taking away your guns or something like that, or, you know, fear of Democrats killing babies or some bullshit like that. But it's like real real world fear of, you know what, if, if we don't get uh, this, if we don't get this right, we're never going to have a smooth transition. It will be an autocratic country period. It'll just basically, it'll be a just different version of modern Russia. Yeah. Yeah, of course, democracy is under threat, healthcare is under threat, um, and government assistance uh, for for college, government assistance yeah. for childcare, government assistance for if you have you don't have a job. This is all going. It's all going to go if they take if they get back control. So you know, <sighs> th- this is how I think you need to motivate people. Yes, absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah, that's how you have to do it. But you know, real quick, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with more fun after this message. (laughs) There's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult to relax and decompress. You've experienced the Sunday scaries, that feeling of dread in the pit of your stomach that comes on Sunday afternoons. Now here's a totally different Sunday scaries, vitamin boosted CBD gummies. And you don't even have to wait until Sunday night rolls around. Self-care is so important and Sunday scaries is here to help. Sunday scaries believes that everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. So if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday Scaries has you covered with their CBD products. Visit sundayscaries.com and use the promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at the checkout and get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at sundayscaries.com with promo code SEXYLIBERAL. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use by sale or to persons under the age of 18. Okay, we're back. Um, all right. Now I'm going to switch the subject a little bit going into a different direction. And I don't remember if I asked you this the last time, but have you been watching the Q documentary? 
I haven't. This on my to-do list. Okay. It's, it's absolutely. I've 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 listened to podcasts about the Q documentary, but I I so I know. You know, I do know what it's about, but I haven't seen it yet, and I am looking forward to it. I'm so, terrified. Yeah, it's terrifying. And uh, I will say this, though. The FBI just released uh, something today that Q is going, you know, the QAnon movement. They're going to stop digital activity, and they're going to take it to the streets and kill Democrats. Now, this is Great. really frightening because, you know, I was talking to my mom about this this morning, and she, you know, and, and she, I said something like, this is why I don't like to put democratic or liberal bumper stickers on my car because in this day and age, I feel like a target. And she was saying something like, well, I think they're, they're focusing on leaders. And it's like, yeah, but if you're in, I don't know, anywhere, I mean, you don't, you, you could be in the bluest of blue States, but you've got people who are QAnon people who live there and they are, you know, that, that I think what's going to happen if we, if we start seeing this actually play out, um, we're going to see more bold actions just from regular QAnons hitting up regular people. And that is really scaring the shit out of me. I mean, obviously the FBI knows about it. They put out a warning. Uh, but this is something we all have to be aware of right now, which is really frightening. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. You've got these aren't fascists. These are worse than fascists. Yeah. They're completely insane. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, yeah. You know. And again, again, this is what we are voting against, right? Uh, yes. This is what we're, we're, you know, this is what people need to get out uh, and go and vote for because of this, because your democracy is in is in peril, and yeah. you've got a lot of crazy people who are out there willing to. Well, we've seen what they're willing to do. They're yeah. willing to try and overthrow the government. Right. Yeah. They're, and the thing is, is it's like some of these people are Ob Obama voters and they're QAnons. And I I'm telling you, when you watch it's a fairly long documentary and I don't know how many parts there are to it. I don't know where we are. We just watched one on Sunday and it was like stomach churning. It was it, it was just like, oh, my God, because you're realizing I mean, you pretty much know who Q is at the end of the documentary. And I won't give anything away. I think there was a bit of a giveaway and the documentary filmmakers said, OK, this is who we believe it is. But if you watch the documentary, you pretty much figure out who it is and you realize that these people are chaos agents and they're just having fun. They're just having fun watching they drop a bomb and watching how everyone freaks out that's how they're getting their rocks off and it's it's unbelievable because even though you know I mean you've got Michael Flynn who is buying all this shit I, it's like is he buying it or is he using it I don't know but either way it's it's going against the United States I mean he was one of the featured speakers at the QAnon convention over Memorial Day in Texas. And that's when it was mm. announced that, you know, Trump was, uh, I don't know if it's that's where it was announced, but it was right around that time it came out that Trump believes in August he's going to be reinstated. And to me, all that means is he's clearly not going to be reinstated. But because he isn't, QAnon people and, and these fascists and these Trump supporters and all the MAGA, that's going to be another, um, it's going to be another reason to incite violence and and we don't know what's going to happen like obviously they are planning they are planning and they are organized and i just you know i mean i don't even know what that's going to mean 
outside right. of I mean, violence. I think the, the only thing that we've got working for us is how stupid they are. That's yeah. the only thing. I mean, it was like the attempted coup. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, thankfully, they were morons. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, it really was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously terrifying, but it's yeah. also incredibly sad yeah. to see these very kind of desperate middle-aged men with absolutely nothing going on in their lives, um, dressed in military garb, yeah. trying to, you know, overthrow the government. I mean, it was it was it was pathetic. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the thing about the QAnon followers is that they are basically mostly, I would say, for the most part, sad little men. Yes. Yeah, and are, women, there because there women are women, well. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene and yeah. Ashley Babbitt and, you know, uh, yeah. I, but, but but the vast majority of them are, are pathetic middle-aged men who have nothing else to do with, with their lives, who are angry and bitter at, you know, how their lives have turned out. And they've, you know, they've, I listened to a really excellent podcast called Con Conspirituality. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Conspirituality podcast. It's very interesting and it looks at the sort of, intersection between the wellness industry and and um conspiracy theorists and how kind of QAnon is like the perfect kind of it's the perfect sort of blend of new age conspiracy theory uh with disaffected you know you know um political zealots yeah. as well right and how the these it's kind of there's this movement that incorporates these completely insane theories, including kind of health and mm -hmm. healthcare and you know supplements and shamanism mm, and yeah. with political conspiracy theories, and um, it's incredibly dangerous. And, it, and it, a lot of what they discuss is how vulnerable people are to, the, to these conspiracy theories. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's what's happened. You've got a lot of the population that have been fed a steady diet of Fox News and yeah. you know right wing hate radio and their lives are shitty um mm -hmm. and they turn to these wild conspiracy theories to make up these horrible holes in their lives mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of them you know there are a lot of them out there and trump's managed to tap into all of them yeah and it's just um i did a patrons only that's going to also air today um after i post this one but I've already recorded it, and basically it's a relative of mine who's a tr uh, mega Trump supporter, and unfortunately I had to talk to this person <laughs> the other day. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just, I, I, I think that something that you said, some of these people, I, I think that what happens with a lot of them is they're angry and upset over things in their own life that they either can't control or are unwilling to face, unwilling to control, and their anger you know the 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 q and the trump and all the the maga messaging and all that basically gives them this target to be angry at and blame and you know i look at my maga i have a few maga relatives and i think the same thing about both of them you know i mean and and, and the really weird thing is that i love my relatives and it's funny because i will share some information like for instance i i shared this on twitter that my and I just say my MAGA relative, but and I'll say she. But anyway, she uh, told me that her and now the person who gave her her shot, and I think she referred to this person as a doctor, but I don't know who gave her her shot, and I think it was a Johnson and Johnson shot. So she said the person who gave her her shot said, "There's no need for a booster," and um, you know I was 
I took COVID really fucking seriously. I still do. And, you know, I washed everything. I was very, very cautious. Now, um, I didn't talk to her for, you know, very much during the pandemic or during the time when I wasn't vaccinated, I should say, because the pandemic is still going on. But um, I'm, you know, I block, I hide reply and block on Twitter when anybody spreads disinformation. So anyway, I uh, said to her when we were talking and she said that um, she didn't need a booster, I, I mentioned the variants and her voice got real loud. Now she wasn't like yelling at me, like she was angry at me, but it was this weird automatic defensive behavior. And I don't think this defensive behavior comes from them knowing they're wrong. I think they expect it from anybody who is following science and understanding what the truth is. And they know they're gonna get met with uh, a debate there. So it's like she's automatically prepared to start the conversation yelling and getting her point across. And it was like, oh my God. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, we were talking about masks and we were talking about herd immunity and she, all the information she had was wrong. But, you know, I still go back to this whole thing. I think these people have certain things that upset them in their lives and they don't want to face it. So Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin and Tucker Carlson and all these people say you know who the the real threat is it's those democrats and they eat babies and they do you know and it's like it's how do you even how do you even you can't i don't know that you can um rehabilitate their minds because they've been completely brainwashed yeah and i i you know that i would certainly urge people to check out the conspirituality podcast as well because they do a lot of research and mm-hmm. uh, and talk to experts on this about what happens to people when they get involved with these conspiracy theories and these communities mm-hmm. and like what you're what you're saying is you know it's absolutely kind of spot on right it's like they, they get lost mm-hmm. somehow um and you know there's a certainly a chance that they they can't come back from it yeah you know and and that's it's a, it's a sad thing to kind of come to terms with that people that who you know and who you care about can't come back to to consensus reality yeah like people people on twitter people on twitter will say oh just cut them cut them out of your life it's like i can't i can't just cut it out of my life yeah yeah and and, you know i think if if they are in your life i think you know one of the best ways to kind of deal with it is to is to um is to not push them yeah because facts and logic and reasoning (laughs) doesn't work it, it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't work it, it really doesn't work and you know maybe you know there are instances there's a lot of people who do come back from this stuff right mm-hmm. there are yeah. there's lots of instances of people coming back from being in cults um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. QAnon is a cult and there are yeah prominent examples of people who got involved in the QAnon nonsense who have come back to consensus reality they're yeah. still you know a bit shaky shaky you know the foundation isn't particularly strong <laughs> right um but you know they they can come back mm-hmm. um but it's it, you know it takes a probably takes quite a long time and it also isn't it's not easy you know and and i i get it i it's i think that when you're dealing with it online for example people spreading conspiracy theories like there are i think the best tactic with that is to block those people and to it, not necessarily because you're trying to be mean to them mm-hmm. but you're trying to stop them from spreading disinformation yes, that's it yeah right that that's the best way to do it right yeah. you've got to treat i read somewhere i can't remember who it was it's some 
guy who runs a um he's the i think he's the the uh, president of a of a organization that tries to stop digital hate and his mm. suggestion i forget the name of the organization but it's an interesting organization but he, and one of the uh, the bit of advice that he has is that you basically you need to treat these people like they are the virus itself yeah not necessarily uh, as a bad person per se but mm-hmm. that they are contag- they're contagious yes. their ideas are contagious so you don't interact with them and you don't engage with them and you don't you don't like reply to them or yeah. try to debate with them you cut them off you report that you report them um and you block them mm-hmm. right report report them to twitter or facebook or instagram whatever it is and mm-hmm. you and you block them and you make sure that you essentially inoculate yourself from yes this from the virus right it's like and because hmm. this information is a virus mm-hmm. so yeah, they is. need to be isolated they need to be on online in real life yeah that's a bit that's, that's a harder yeah. that's a whole it's a whole different story right and it, it's a lot more complicated mm-hmm. and, you know people who have MAGA relatives um you know i'm i don't have anybody in my direct family who mm-hmm. who is in involved in that stuff but i know a lot of people who do yeah. uh, it's just it's more complicated mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not that easy like justin rosario who writes writes for the band yes. he he has MAGA in-laws and he's wow. cut them off completely hmm. well you know um, i i won't get into it with this particular person you know when she was saying the things that she was saying I could feel, you know, I talked, like I said, this is all in my patrons only show today. So if anybody wants to hear more of the details, but, um, you know, the difficulty I had when she was saying certain things, I did try to counter it. But basically the way I got through it was I said, well, this is how I feel comfortable. And, you know, because we were talking about masks and she said something like, you know, uh, that you don't have to wear masks and I said, well, in some cases I will because, uh, you know, from what, I've, from what I understand, you can be fully vaccinated, you can carry the COVID virus and maybe pass it on to a child who has not been vaccinated. Now, I don't know th- that this is an absolute, but I've, I've heard this and I, I don't even know if there is absolute information on this. But, but either way, I feel like, you know what, taking a little bit of a precaution, I mean, I have a niece that I've already seen in person and I was not wearing a mask because I am going to be in close proximity. I was outside with her, but I will be in close proximity with her, you know, in the next couple of weeks. I haven't seen her for a while, so I know I'm going to be at, you know, my dad's house and she'll be there and I, I'm not going to wear a mask around her. But, you know, when I go to the grocery store or something like that, I feel like this, this um, the, everything that's happening right now is happening in real time and in two or three months, we might get a little different information. And it's not because the science is wrong. It's not because it's maybe the science isn't fully there yet. And sometimes there's human error. And so, you know, in, instead of just jumping back, like nothing is wrong anymore with this new variant going around that evidently the Johnson and Johnson vaccine isn't, isn't fully protecting. I don't, they, they don't know very much, but from what I, from what I've seen on Twitter from a couple of um, experts, uh, the the Johnson and Johnsons they're not sure if it's going to be able to protect people against this. I think it's called the Delta variant, um, which yeah. is sending people to the hospital at a much higher rate. Yeah, my mum my mum got the Delta variant. Oh and no! She had, um, yeah, and she had she was fully vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine. Wow! Now um, what what did she, so she? What symptoms did she have? Yeah, I mean it was it, luckily pretty 
pretty benign. So okay. she, you know, she was um, she was fine. She was a bit bit. She was kind of in bed for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It, you know, not even that really. So I mean, it is proof that the, kind of the vaccine, but right. it, it, it did it, help. It, right. It, even if you get it, like you know, it's worth having the vaccine yes. because um, it makes the the it way less severe. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, that's the whole point of getting the vaccine, right? The vaccine yeah. is not necessarily 100% effective, but it what it, it's almost 100% effective in yeah. 100% stopping hospitalisation. Right. So, and the Delta variant is the one major one ripping through the UK at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, so it's, I mean, look, it's it's like I'm happy to just. What does the CDC say right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the best scientists? What are they saying right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and given the best available evidence yeah. right now, right? So it's like, yeah, science is always evolving. Science is always changing, right? As more information comes in, we're making decisions based on the best evidence available. Yeah. It's not necessarily perfect, you know. And, and a reasonable adult understands this. Yeah. An unreasonable adult thinks it's a big conspiracy theory. Yeah, right? well, that's what and, she and, said. She thought she said she doesn't need the booster. Or, or she said the doctor said she doesn't need the booster because the the vaccine companies just want to make money, and that's what the boosters are all about. And I'm like, right. I, I felt is, like asking her, "Do you get a flu shot every year?" I think she gets a flu shot every year. Right, right. It's like they choose. <laughs> what, why do they choose this one right. thing? Like, there's no conspiracy theories over the flu. There's no yeah. conspiracy theories. You know, over the common cold, are these giant government conspiracy theories? Are are all the medications prescribed by created by pharmaceutical companies? Are they all um, part of a mass organized conspiracy to yeah. you know get, in, vaccinate you with microchips? And I mean, it's just nonsense. Like, I mean, the the thinking is so poor. It's the, just so it, sad. It, it's so stupid that it's barely you can barely follow the logic. It doesn't yeah. make any sense unless you think that every world, every government on the planet, every big pharmaceutical company, every healthcare organization, they're all in cahoots with tightly, right. tightly organized, sinister cabal of, you know, um, big pharma executives and nefarious government executives who are trying to control the world population through a vaccine i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's just <laughs> no, ridiculous no, no. if it's, it's yeah it's so stupid <laughs> that you can't you know it's, it's no there's no point really in engaging with it right no it's like that, that and that, that's the issue and i think you know just do what the cdc suggests like mm-hmm. i take my mask off around fully vaccinated people yes. inside if you were all fully vaccinated and we're inside i right. take my mask off if there's someone who's not vaccinated um and 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 they are uncomfortable uh, you know I will wear a mask or I will remove mm-hmm. myself from the situation depending on what how what they want and what mm-hmm. they ask for. You, you know, just be smart and respectful right. of other people. I don't think it's a bit, it's, it's, how, it's not such a big deal. Like, you know, you prefer people wear a mask, I'll put a mask on. You know, exactly. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's, and, and the thing is, you know, I mean, she was kind of getting to the point where so many of them do, where they get like aggressive if you want to choose to wear a mask. And it's like, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen pictures over the years of people in China wearing masks? All the, you know, that's their regular, that's their normal. They wear it to prevent getting sick. And I think that we're going to see some of that over here. I don't know how far it's going to go, but I I know myself that I hate, I mean, I'm usually the person who goes out of their way to, to avoid getting sick. And, you know, like for instance, when I was in acting class, there was this guy who showed up and he was so sick and I was one of the leaders telling him to leave 
you know, there was a couple other people in my class kind of, you shouldn't be here because it was an acting class. It wasn't imperative that he was there and he was going to get everyone else sick. And so it's like, I don't want to get sick. I hate getting the freaking flu. And, and so I, I could see, and I don't know if I'll do it, but I could see in the winter time when, when we're no longer freaking out about COVID, um, you know, p- perhaps wearing a mask if I go to the grocery store or, if, you know, obviously if I go out to dinner, I can't do it. So I wouldn't wear a mask in every situation, but I can definitely, you know, see certain situations where, okay, when it's cold and flu season, if I just wear a mask to the grocery store, then I'm a little bit more protected than normal and I've, I'm cutting my chances of getting sick. So what's wrong with that? And, you know, but it's like this whole like anger at you for wearing a mask and then the asinine idiotic responses about how you know you're breathing in whatever they're I don't know what the fuck they're saying but they're basically saying that it's unhealthy for you to breathe in your own air and it's like okay well doctors you know are operating for 12 and 15 hours at a time wearing masks and they're fine (laughs) so it's like this idiotic response that's just politically driven and I know so many other families are going through this because it's so hard it's very hard to deal with someone that you love maybe you're not their best friend or whatever but you love them I mean this person I have a history from when I was a little girl she took care of me and she was kind to me she's always been kind to me always and you know she is sucked up into this she's not into Q because she doesn't really understand how to use the internet so she listens to talk radio and that's where she gets her info i don't even think she watches fox's watches fox news but um she says she doesn't and i pretty much believe her because i think that she the majority like she was a huge rush limbaugh fan and clearly he's gone so I'm, i'm assuming that she's probably moved on to mark levin or god only knows who else she listens to but um and she like quotes Rand paul and she likes ted cruz so um I just, yeah, it's like all the way, all the way. I mean, she's not cute, but boy, I I think that if she had more internet savvy, she probably would be cute. And that's so sad because you see somebody, I mean, there was that documentary, the brainwashing of my dad. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. Highly recommended. I highly, highly, highly recommend, you know, I mean, basically this woman's father who was a liberal man was, you know, only watching Fox and listening to talk radio. Talk radio had a lot to do with it because, a lot of these people who are listening are on commutes and they're alone in their car. So it's this very, um, just like with the podcast, it's, it's very personal. And, you know, when you're listening to it, you feel like you're there. And right. you feel like that talk radio host is talking directly to you. And so it's very, very manipulative. And it's, it's really just so, it's just it's overwhelming. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's scary how this, this, this can happen to people. But, you know, I think also... Um, I mean, I you know, with various family members who I have radically different opinions mm-hmm. to, like I I have learned over time just to avoid talking about them because it's kind of like you're not going to change their mind. Yeah, um, there's not much you can do about it. You can gently, you can kind of gently drop in a few nuggets here and there of kind of reasoning and facts, and yeah. maybe that will make them help them to think slightly differently yeah. about stuff. But yeah. I think if you're already there, you know, if you've been listening to that stuff for 50 years, I mean, there's probably not not much hope that it's going to that it's going to change. 
Yeah, you know, um, you know. especially on, when they're like 70, when they're 70, it's like, it's, it's doubtful. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's not going to change. And I think, you know, we've got to navigate this, you know, we've got to understand that these, we've got MAGAs in our life, yeah. MAGA family members, that kind of thing. You know, how do we deal with it? We, you have to kind of separate, there's a political movement yes. and there are individuals within that political movement yeah. um, who we have to kind of, who we have to deal with. But, you know, um, I, I, I'm always a fan of attacking the powerful. So the 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 average MAGA person, I don't have a huge amount of interest in. It's the manipulators. Those are the people who I have a real problem with. Yeah, yeah. The Tucker Carl, the Tucker Carl, yeah. Tuckums, as know. Joy Reid likes to call yeah, them. Yeah, Tuckums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I do love Joy Reid. At least she has a sense of humor about it. I mean, I know every night I, I watch a little bit of Chris Hayes before I have to turn it off. And I, you know, I feel guilty for not ra- watching Rachel Maddow right now, but I just kind of can't. I get toward the end of the day and I'm like, oh my God, I'm oversaturated with news. And I know she has so much useful information and I should be watching it, but I just cannot take it in. But Joy at least is funny. Yeah. And Chris is always screaming like, oh my God, everybody pay the fuck attention to what's happening <laughs> because we are in big fucking trouble. So I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to end this. I know that, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for, for coming back. I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Not pleasure. <laughs> I'm sorry, not sorry that I'm like in this once again kind of funk. I'm not crying. At least I'm not crying. But I'm concerned. And so it's like every day, like you said, there are ups and downs. And so um, I wish that I was could have you on. A, well, I will have you on another day when I'm feeling more happy and up. So there, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, any, any time, Kimberly. No, I, I love coming on the show. It's, it's great fun. And um, thank, thanks so much for having me. Well, of course. But before you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's at The Daily Banter. Um, so it's uh, that's where I'm on Twitter. Um, the newsletter would be great if you could subscribe to us. Um, you don't have to pay for anything uh, you can if you want but you can subscribe to the newsletter we send out free newsletters uh, and that's thebanter.substack.com um, that's where I write and that's where uh, Bob is as well Bob's on, on the banter um, newsletter every week as well and so is Justin Rosario um, find us there and on uh, Facebook uh, Facebook is um, backslash the daily banter so we're there as well but uh, Twitter and on the newsletter is the, is the best place to, to, to catch us awesome and if you want to get those links uh, just go to the Patreon page to the show and that's patreon.com slash start me up this show will be one of the first three up a little bit uh, well by the time you're listening to it it will be up so I was going to say a little bit later but you know what it'll already be up so anyway um, and that way you can click the links and get to Ben's pages quickly and then you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y don't forget that extra E I always say it and then of course my books are on Amazon I've written about teen abortion and women's rights and virginity so go check out those books and once again Ben thank you so much All right, Kimberly, talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye.